What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And it's been a busy past couple uh, couple of days for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the third and final phase of the offseason workout program, OTA, started Monday. The first practice was open to the media on Tuesday. The NFL schedule release finally came out last Thursday, and the Dolphins had a pair of veteran signings in the past week or so. And we're going to break down all of that on this podcast. Uh, first, I want to bring in Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor for the Miami Herald. Andre, how you doing? Good. Thank you, Daniel, once again for having me. Always always fun to talk some fins with you. Now, most definitely, most definitely. And I want to start with uh, uh, the first OCA practice. Obviously, you weren't there. I was out there with uh, with Barry Jackson, our colleague. Yeah. Um, and it, it was it was a pretty fun practice. I mean, it was the first mainly full team practice uh, under new coach Mike McDaniel that we were able to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, some some major veterans such as uh, Xavier Howard and Teron Armstead did not participate. But uh, again, these are just voluntary sessions. Uh, McDaniel said that you know there weren't going to be some certain veterans because they kind of earned the response uh, they earned the right to not uh, participate in these uh, voluntary sessions um, but it was still good to see guys like Tua Tungavailoa um, work with you know obviously new wide receiver Tyree Kill um, keep on establishing that rapport with Jalen Waddle they were able to collect uh, connect on some deep passes so that, that was good to see and I know especially after uh, you know uh, the Dolphins social media teams caused a bit of a stir, a stir last week with that right. infamous underthrow that was definitely good to see just curious yeah. I didn't think too much of it when they first posted that. T- to be honest, I saw it and my first thought was, hmm, it's a little underthrown, but, you know, nothing much to do there. But before you know it, we got yeah. 6 million, 7 million views and the New York Post is writing about uh, this. I mean, was there really much? Is this all like a over overblown or what? I think it's overblown right now. I mean, I'm. I'm going to worry about it when, if and when he underthrows a pass like that in a game, a real game, not even the preseason, a regular season game, and it looks like, uh-oh, we're, we're, we have a problem here, which is what most people, you know, the the naysayers and, and the Tua haters are, are are saying that. And when even people have legit concerns, is, he, is it going to work with him, with this new uh, cast of receivers? Uh, but, I mean, right now, especially first practices, I mean – this is what this is about for me. This is him building chemistry with those guys. All the guy, all the offseason acquisitions, really diving in and really kind of just learning the game plan and learning Coach McDaniel's style. Like, that's what this is all about right now. So, again, I, I wouldn't glean too much. I didn't glean too much from it right now. Again, not that I'm on one, you know, not that I'm not concerned that that could happen, but I won't worry about it until it's a real problem, not in the first OTA practice. Yeah, I just don't like making much of any of these sessions, even in training camp. I mean, um, yeah. not not until you go full live and um, you know you're you're go, you're tackling to the ground, and, and even then, you know, teams really don't do that a ton in training camp because they just want to get to the regular season and have all their guys healthy. Right. So I don't like to make too much of this. But I will say, if I got if I can play play the pro to a part right now i will say today there was there was a segment of uh otas where uh they went to the far side of the field uh farthest away from the media where we were kind of sitting in the bleachers and they were doing mm-hmm. kind of like individual the quarterbacks were doing individual passing you know against air no dbs just the guys running routes and i have to admit two or three of the best deep balls out of all the four guys there I mean, he was hitting guys and he hit Tyree Kill in stride. It was 40 air yards. It was looking good. Yeah. Again, there's you don't want to put too much stock in that. But if we're going to, you know, right. get on to yeah, it, we're gonna play throw, both. right? 
I got to admit, he threw the best deep yeah. ball out of all the four quarterbacks there. So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. We have four more of these uh, OTA practices available to the media before training camp. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's any interesting developments over the course of that period, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, it's you could play the whole game back and forth with that. And and yeah, it, it is encouraging, at least as a glimpse of it. But again, until he does it in games and does it consistently and they, and they lead to big plays and, and meaningful victories, you know, that to me, that's when it counts. And I'm sure I'm echoing a lot of people around around the country, around the world that that, that follow the Dolphins. No, exactly, exactly. So a couple of days ago, uh, Thursday night to be exact, the NFL schedule release, uh, uh, the NFL schedule finally is released. Um, and yeah. I know there was a lot of anticipation. The NFL has kind of milked this thing for weeks now where they started with the draft. And then, you know, leading up to Thursday, they were, you know, releasing one game every every morning on their broadcast partners it, it, was, it was a little extra to me but you know I'm, i was just kind of glad that we got out the way um and you know there were a lot of rumors about you know the dolphins playing on thanksgiving the dolphins playing this day that day right. um so the schedule comes out and there's there's a couple interesting notes i mean they they start the season at home against the patriots they're playing new england for the third straight season uh third straight year to open the season that um, was shocking they, right <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they have two primetime games, uh, both against AFC North teams. The first, a Thursday night road game against the Bengals, and then uh, notably uh, a Sunday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, there's the Brian Flores connection, him uh, being fired and being hired as assistant with Pittsburgh. Um, but I think maybe the most interesting thing is a Christmas Day game at home against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, I mean, to me, I, knew, I mean, we all knew who the team was playing as soon as the regular season ended. Um, but to see now it all put in an 18-week slate, to me, it really really reinforces how tough this schedule is. And it's crazy to say that because this was a team that finished third place in the AFC East. So they got a third-place schedule. But, I mean, you look at the opening month where you have the Patriots, uh, Baltimore on a road, um, you have the Bills next, and then you have uh, the Bengals on Thursday night football on a short week going mm-hmm. to Cincinnati. And then that December slate, whew, that yeah. is a tough December slate, man. <laughs> so the Dolphins, they they do have uh, back-to-back, back-to-back games on the West Coast, and it was reported or later came out that they, uh, they actually requested that. So they're playing the 49ers on December 4th, uh, the Chargers on the 11th. It looks mm-hmm. like they're going to stay out there. But even yeah. after that, you come back and you got to play the Bills on the road and then the Green Bay Packers on Christmas no. Day. Uh, that is a tough schedule, man. But it's, what, what are your thoughts? It, it, the first thing when I saw it, I, I thought it was brutal. I mean, like you said, I mean, this isn't a team that won the division and, and getting why are they getting a division champion schedule almost? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, even even the the quote unquote, maybe kind of like puff games in the middle. I, th- I see they go to Detroit and then they go to Chicago where you might think maybe those are a little bit more winnable, but even those games are on the road. And by nature, with this uneven, with this odd-numbered schedule now in the NFL, you know, they have got the short end this year. They have nine road games, so it's going to happen. But, yeah, that start is just – they better beat New England because after that, I mean, not just a critical always game when they play them, but, I mean, when you're talking about you're facing – the Ravens are always good at home no matter what. Then you've got the Bills, who is the the team to beat if you're the Dolphins. I mean, then you go to the AFC champions, who are going to be reloaded. Short week too. I mean, that's always exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and then even the Jets. I mean, the Jets on the it's a road game, and that's a division game. 
where, you know, you on paper, yeah, you should be better than the Jets, but Robert Sala is getting that team better than it was. They made some decent draft picks. It, 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 it barely has any breaks in this schedule, if even if you even want to look at it. And, of course, we're looking at it under the lens of what these teams did it's last, last season, it always yeah. It always changes. There's always times where, I don't, you know, we're looking at one game that looks like a doozy right now could end up being where the team regresses and it's not as bad when we get to it. But all in all, there's not too many of those where I think they're going to change that drastically. And, and yeah, that Charger 49er, they did that a few years ago with the Rams and the Chargers too when they went out there, I think, and it was where they stayed a week. So that'll be interesting, you know, staying out there. And and, and even like in, in the exhibition schedule, right off the bat, they get Tom Brady and Tampa Bay and they're going to do joint practices with the yeah. Bucks, which is not, a, not the first time they've done that. But right now, as loaded as Tampa Bay is again, with Brady deciding to come back after he had retired and all that, I mean, I'm telling you, even the preseason has no let up. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, you know, it was reported, um, you know, we all reported um, Sunday that that was the case. And Mike McDaniel confirmed it on Tuesday when he spoke to us. And he also announced that they would have joint practices with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot yeah. of interesting storylines there. Obviously, there's the Brady factor, which is, I don't know, just the – I mean, obviously, they, that's a that's a a team that you would expect them to play in the preseason because you know it's in uh, with the Bucks because yeah, they short, yeah, state, yeah, yeah, right. because you know it's in state, not a lot of travel. Um, but then to also like have the joint practices where you know there's going to be you know mm-hmm. a bunch of Brady questions and all yeah. that in the spotlight. I mean, I thought that was funny. And then obviously yeah. with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think that's interesting because of the, the Alabama factor with the quarterbacks mm-hmm. with Jalen Hurts and Tua kind of reuniting for the first time. Um, so it's going to be. Really, and Waddle, obviously. Yeah, yeah so that's going to yeah, be really interesting. Um, but 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 going back to the regular season schedule, it's funny to me because when I when I remember you know looking at the Dolphins schedule last year before the season started, I think there was like a general consensus that the first half of that schedule was very very tough. You know, obviously they had to play yeah. the Bills, they had to play the Raiders, they had to play the Buccaneers in, in Tampa. Um, but we looked at the second half of the schedule, and you know before the season even started, we all said. Oh, I mean, uh, they could definitely rattle off some wins against, you know, the Giants and the Panthers and the Jets and the Texans, obviously. And they did. And this was like before even all the QB injuries and all the the breaks Mm kind of came their way. I mean, again, like you said, you look at the schedule and it's like there's like a two, three week stretch where, yeah, maybe they can put things together. Um, but they're not going to have that favorable schedule down the line. Like, like I, I wrote about it when the schedule came out, like they're really going to have to earn this playoff berth. If, uh, if they were, if they want to make it, like they're going to have to win tough, tough games yeah. in December. And it's going to be imperative that they start off strong to kind of give them some wiggle room in a tough AFC. And again, um, you know, if you look at like the betting odds, like they're, they're stuck at eight and a half wins. And a lot of people are like, you got to hammer the over, um, but when you really look at this schedule and you kind of take into account, you know, yeah, they have this offensive firepower, this offensive talent, but I mean, it usually takes a couple of weeks, months to get new systems in place and get them really gelling. Um, yeah. So again, it's good. It's, it's going to, it's going to be a tough uh, road for sure. Yeah. And, that, and that's why these OTAs are so important. I mean, you want to get as many of the, of the veterans out there. I mean, I know right now not everybody's out there, but as soon as it's possible to get as many in there, especially the newer veterans, because you got to develop that chemistry right now. These are valuable practices. And, and yeah, I mean, eight and a half doesn't sound, I know they're stuck in that purgatory, but they're, it doesn't sound unreasonable when you look at the schedule. I mean, one, I saw that there was one prediction out there today. I don't forgot who it was that had them at six and 11, like a total doubt that they're, that they're not even going to get better, that they're going to get worse. 
And I mean, I, I thought that was drastic considering the talent yeah, they brought too. in. But I mean, yeah, I could still, I could still see them playing well, being in a lot of close games. But just by nature of how tough it is, they could still be hovering around maybe like that that nine and eight mark, more or less. You know, around there, unless unless they're way better and things click and and several factors go their way, which you know from week to week in the NFL, there's a lot of things that can flip a game yeah. very easily. So. You can't, yeah, that's right. I mean, you can't just be good in the NFL. Like, you do have to get lucky and kind of get some breaks. Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how how that whole season plays out. Um, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, uh, the Dolphins are not done adding to this roster. Uh, in the past week, they've added two veterans. Uh, we're going to talk about both of, both of those guys and whether they move the needle in 2022. Uh, so stay locked with us. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? Still here talking Dolphins OTA schedule uh, with Andre Fernandez from the Dolphins In-Depth podcast. And uh, Andre, I know in recent weeks we've written about it, we've spoken about it. Um, What additional moves are there are in store for the Dolphins. I mean, they were extremely active in the first wave of free agency. Um, After the draft, uh, general manager Chris Greer said, you know, the team would continue to kind of scour around and look for potential additions. And that wasn't lip service, Uh, you know, in the the following weeks. um, They signed two veterans who could potentially uh, be major contributors in 2022. Um, First, they signed Sonny Michelle, uh, the local uh, product from American Heritage, um, the running back coming back uh, to his hometown team after – um, a couple of years in New England, a year with the Rams winning a Super Bowl ring there. Um, and then in the past few days, or I guess on Sunday, um, it was uh, reported that they are signing outside linebacker Melvin Ingram. Um, obviously spent the first part of his career with uh, the then San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, um, spent some time with the Pittsburgh Steelers before being traded to um, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs um, in the middle of the 2021 season. Um, and these are two veterans that, I mean, I'm not sure if anyone really had them on the Dolphins radar, but, um, you know, they did bring them in for visits in, in the past few weeks. And now both of them are in the fold. We actually got the opportunity to speak to Sony Michelle for the first time after Tuesday's practice. Um, you know, he's sporting that number 34, you know, kind of a homage to Ricky Williams. Uh, he said he's excited to play for the, for, for the hometown team. Um, you know, I, I think that starting with that, that was an interesting 
pickup because we thought that they had kind of all done all their work in the backfield. You know, well, obviously they wanted mm-hmm. to upgrade that running back room. Um, they signed Raheem Mostert. They signed Chase Edmonds. Um, but then they kind of tripled down and signing Michelle, who's kind of a bigger back, you know, 5'11", 215. Um, and he kind of kind of projects, you know, we'll see if he makes the 53-man roster, but he kind of projects as that, you know, that power back, that short yardage back who can get those tough um, uh, those tough yards. I mean, what do you make of that uh, addition? I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, we, I thought they were done too, considering they brought in – I mean, my thing is where – where are all the carries going to go if all these guys make the roster? I mean, I don't know if all these guys are going to make the roster. I mean, you look you know, at Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin; they might be they're on, on thin ice now. The bubble, yep, yeah, yeah, they're on thin ice now. I mean, and I think you you had even written that before Sony was signed, saying how you know what does this mean for them and kind of what's their status <laughs> going to be? And now yeah, here yeah. comes Sony, and it's like even even more tenuous. I think is their status now because you're talking about you're talking about a lot of guys that haven't really been the workhorse back. I mean, not that you see that that often anymore in the NFL. It's a lot of multiple backs and a lot of backfields, but all these guys have kind of been in those situations. I mean, you look at Chase Edmonds was splitting carries with Kenyon Drake for a while in Arizona, you know, Raheem Mostert, part of the committee in San Francisco, even though he stood out a little bit that one year before he got hurt. And then again, Sony, but they're all, they all can be contributors. Cause even last year, when you look at the Rams, and you know the running game that they had. I mean, it was an effective running game throughout the season. But I mean, when when there was an injury there in the backfield to Daryl Henderson, Sony stepped up and he was really good. He was their leading rusher uh, in the regular right. season. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I mean, they, I know they brought on Cam Akers toward the end a little bit once he was able to, like at the very end. But Sony Michelle carried the team as far as carries. No pun intended. Like he just really <laughs> did. Like I mean. Daryl Henderson was the workhorse most of the season. And then all of a sudden, Sony, who was basically almost like, you know, the complimentary guy in New England, gave you some featured back looks. I mean, I don't know if he can do that still at this point in his career constantly, but, I mean, they're not going to need him to here. The the way that they're with all these all these more, not maybe not veterans, veterans, not to call them like old in the NFL, but it's all guys with experience, the ones they've brought in enough experience where they've at least been in that in in an important role for maybe two three four seasons or more it's very interesting to see how all those pieces are going to work and how all the carries get split and maybe how much you maximize each guy's ability to make big plays in that offense yeah yeah like you said we know this is going to be a running back by committee unit i mean if you just look back at the past couple years in san francisco i mean they've started the year with one guy and then in you know a month later one guy takes over and then a couple weeks later one guy gets hurt and they insert somebody else i mean they've they've kind of been a rotating door in terms of who's been the lead back um one thing that didn't initially come to mind but you know people brought it up was um raheem mostert's injury history and the fact that he's actually rehabbing from a knee cartilage tear that um, kept them out of all but one game. I mean, he got hurt in the season opener in 2021. Um, That was something that wasn't really on my radar. Um, Mike McDaniel said that, you know, the hope is for him to play um, in week one. We actually did see him at um, OCAs. He had a practice jersey on stretching, um, just didn't do any of the, any of like the, the team drills, the 11 on 11 stuff. Um, But that's one thing that, you know, kind of crossed my mind. And again, um, I guess, 
I don't know if Sonny Michelle was a lock to make the roster, but I, I mean, I don't know when you bring him in um, at this time of the year, it's not like they gave him big money. Um, mm-hmm. When you bring him in at this moment in time, like making sure he gets into OTAs, gets those reps. Um, he has familiarity with this offense because, you know, he played in Los Angeles and um, they do a lot of similar outside zone and zone schemes with um uh, and bless Sean McVay. Um, you know, I think that there is definitely going to be some carryover and, um, you know, it's just interesting, just the 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 way they kind of gave the the running back room a facelift because you mentioned it. I wrote after the draft, you know, I did winners and losers and Miles Gaskin and Savannah Ahmed were actually one of the winners <laughs> because I said they didn't draft right. the running back. And then lo and behold, Whoa. they signed Sonny Michelle two weeks later. And it's like, oh, these guys are kind of dicey. I mean, they're on vet minimum deals with no guaranteed money. Um, so I, I, I do definitely think that this running back room is significantly upgraded. Um, we know Mike McDaniels, you know, passed and you know his work as a run game coordinator in San Francisco. Um, and he, he's really leaving his imprint on this team in terms of like the 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 skill set of the players that he's bringing in there i mean he's getting guys who can run this system um and you know we'll kind of see how it how it unfolds um but i i mean i can tell you one thing the dolphins running game is going to be significantly improved and it's not going to be the 31st strength unit in the nfl in 2022 i can tell you that it should not be at all. Not now with these guys there back there and, and even with the, some of the, you know, some of the additions and, you know, hopefully upgrades that they've made up front as well. It really should not be. And you have a mobile quarterback too. And Tua that, you know, if all goes well on the passing game, you know, obviously he can make, he can open up that offense as well in different, you know, I'm sure different looks, different packages that, that coach McDaniel is going to throw in there. Uh, I mean, but, it's good to see Sony come home. I mean, I, I, I covered him back in the day when he was at American heritage and, and there was a buzz about, about him when he was just a, an eighth grader. I remember uh, yep. coming into high school. So he's had a, he's had a solid career through, throughout, you know, mostly in new England. And now um, nice to see him back in Miami <laughs> wearing the aqua instead of torturing the dolphins or hurting the dolphins in a Patriots uniform, like he used to. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. He was recalling, you know, some of his memories from uh, playing the Dolphins. And he said, yeah, my first 100-yard game was against the Dolphins. So I'm yeah. sure a lot of Dolphins fans are looking, <laughs> you know, for the reverse, to him to be putting up some 100-yard games against the Patriots. Um, so it was good talking to him. Um, so the Dolphins made another signing that hasn't been officially announced yet. Mike McDaniel wouldn't uh, discuss that yet. Um, but it looks like they're going to be bringing in veteran pass rusher Melvin Ingram. Um, they had brought him in for a visit um, a couple of weeks back. Um, but they get um, the veteran pass rusher, the three-time pro bowler um, in the fold for a defense that was really kept intact. Um, you know, the Dolphins had been reportedly kind of sniffing around for a veteran, some veteran uh, defensive linemen, veteran edge rushers. Um, and they get one in Ingram, um, which I think is a, is a very, very sneaky, sneaky good move. Um, as we said before, um, he spent, you know, half of the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, was traded um, to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Chiefs before the trade deadline. Um, and if you look on the surface at the numbers, I mean, it, it's nothing, you know, great but if you kind of you know do like the advanced metrics and you look at the pressures and what he does against the run um you know he's 33 years old but he can still really really play and he's a pass rusher who can you know be versatile and from where he rushes the passer i mean he can uh, go outside and, and pass rush he can kind of move inside to maybe like interior defensive line and get a push on guards um you know when you look at this defense that again they kept everyone intact 
Um, I think it's a really, really strong move because he's not going to be a guy who's asked to play like, you know, 60 snaps a game. I mean, he's going to play, you know, maybe 30 snaps a game um, with most of those being in pass passing situations. Um, and, you know, this is a defense that really relies heavily on 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 blitzing. Um, but, you know, we don't know exactly what the defense is going to look like under Josh Boyer. And, you know, he talked about wrinkles. Boyer talked about adding wrinkles to this defense. Maybe one of those wrinkles is we don't blitz as much and we kind of put more guys in coverage. Um, and we do that because we guys we have guys up front who can get to the passer uh, like Ingram. I mean, what, what do you think about this move? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if that that could definitely be the strategy to kind of like, because you, you can't, you can't come at it exactly the same. Obviously you have to adjust. So that is a strength for him. It on the surface. Yeah. The immediate question is, is he the same guy that he was, you know, when he was a three-time pro bowler, but like you said, I mean, I think you explained it perfectly that with his ability against the run, I mean, I don't think he has to be, and he's not, and he's, he's been kind of that not primary pass rush option since 2020, since he got hurt. And, you know, when he came back healthy. So, I mean, on, on a defense like this with the pieces they have, and that's the whole thing is how he's going to be able to complement the other guys up front. And that's just going to open up, create opportunities, create lanes to rush the quarterback. I think when they're kind of playing off each other and who offenses offenses are focusing on or zoning in on, I mean, it's, it's a low risk move to me. Bring him in. It doesn't sound like it's, you know, you're not talking about, you know, breaking the budget to bring a guy to yeah, bring I think him it was right a, I think it was a five million dollar deal or something like that yeah I mean it why not I mean it adds it's kind of like bringing in Sony they're both similar in the sense of you add depth and you need depth because you never know in this league you know who's going to get hurt what's going to happen so two areas that they needed to get better at running the ball uh, for well running the ball needed to get better they were good at pass rushing but I think some of the covered spots they were lacking I mean you could tell toward the end of the season and some of these losses especially like the loss to Tennessee, I, I would say that they've kind of, you know, exploited a little bit. So I think it, it's a low risk when we bring a veteran too that knows the game like he does. Why not? I mean, I, I like it. I like padding it. And I, I think at this point in the NFL, you can't have enough. You can't overload a position. You just got to have an embarrassment of riches. You just got to keep exactly. on loading. Exactly. Look, look yeah. at the last few Super Bowl champions, like how the Rams defense, just how ridiculously loaded they were. I mean, it's never enough. If you can get them, get them. I mean, Chris Greer is great. Chris Greer is playing with Monopoly money. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they're pulling this money from. We knew they had a lot of money, you know, to start free agency. And then, you know, they get Tyree Kill. They get Tron Armstead. They sign yeah. like 15 guys on offense. They get yeah. X a new contract. And they still got money to use. So if they want to get a center, if they want to get another linebacker, if they – they 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 yeah. still got money to make to make moves, and I don't I can't even say they're done yet because they still got money to 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 move around. As as a franchise, I mean, even going before Chris Greer came and everybody like as a franchise, this it's been a while since they've really invested a lot like this in an off season to to really pick up a lot of guys. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it pans out. It doesn't it doesn't always in the league? Sometimes teams spend like crazy and nothing, and it doesn't result in much. But yeah, I gotta think they they will take a step up. How much of a step up? There's a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles. We'll see, but I think they will. Yeah, that's the that, that's the major question. You know, how much, you know, they won, what is it, 17 games or so? Um, or ni- I'm trying to think, 19 games in the past two seasons, missed the playoffs both uh, both years. They're trying to break yeah. a, a five-year playoff drought. Um, that's, that's the big question. And, you know, as we get further into OTAs, we get into training camp and obviously the preseason, I mean, those – we start to 
kind of get glimpses of the team that we're going to see in 2022 and get closer to, uh, you know, answering that question. So it's going to, it's going to be fun. I mean, there, there's definitely a buzz around this team. I mean, we finally got to see Tyree kill uh, first, you know, in, in person for the first time at practice. And I remember one of the first plays, you know, they run a play action and they hit him over the middle and we're like, Ooh, you know, there's nobody near Tyree kill. And we're like, Ooh, this guy's the yeah. real deal. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to Patrick Mahomes' life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, hey, I mean, hey, if uh, if you know, if the Dolphins fans get any just a just a fraction of the highlights that Tyree Kill put up in Kansas City, I mean, they're going to be very happy yeah, this year. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Debt podcast. I want to thank Andre so much for joining me to talk uh, about what's been a really a busy past couple of days, past couple of weeks for the Miami Dolphins. Um, and as the Dolphins continue to progress in their uh, OTAs, uh, we're going to be here to you know recap all of it, um, not only at MiamiHero.com, but on the Dolphins in Debt podcast. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the week. And we'll be back next week uh, to talk more Dolphins. But until then, you guys take care. See ya. See ya.